You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 160. Los Angeles-based musician Kaz Mirbluk joins me on this edition of the program for an extensive conversation about his brand new album, Careless by Contrast, coming almost five years after his debut solo effort, The record represents a big coming-of-age moment for Mirbluk, both personally and musically. On the record, he explores several different genres, like psychedelia, shoegaze, and post-punk, while simultaneously confronting issues of identity and personal growth in the lyrics. During our interview, we chatted about the identity-centric themes on Careless by Contrast, the more relaxed approach to recording, that allowed him more freedom to experiment, how his experiences touring with bands like Number and Hoover 3 taught him more about the kind of musician he wanted to be, and much more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and hey, you could even read a review of Kaz's new record written by yours truly. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, I'm here with Kaz Mirbluk. So great to have you here on Look at My Records today. Your awesome album, Careless by Contrast, is out now on Mock Records. Congratulations. I love the record. Been listening to it a whole bunch, and I'm excited to talk with you about the record in depth. Awesome. I'm excited. I'm ready because no one has asked me any questions about this so far. Oh, man, I got a ton of questions. (laughs) Got a ton of questions. So hope you're in the answering mood. But before we dive right into the record specifically, tell me, how was your 2020? I know you recorded this record mostly in 2018 and 2019. Uh, What were you up to this past year since you weren't on the road or touring or doing anything like that? Yeah, I mean... uh... The last tour that I did was like right before all the shutdowns, um, which I'm lucky that I even got to tour last year. But uh, I pretty much just was, you know, working locally. Um, luckily, one of my jobs is a restaurant. I, I still was able to keep that job. And I, I'm there like three days a week. And the rest of the year, it was kind of with my other two bands. We were just like, what do we do? <laughs> Do we like just stand by? Do we like start writing some new stuff? You know, pretty much all the bands I'm in are sitting. We're sitting on records at the time, um, including my own, um, which I'd been sitting on for a while. Um, and the singer in one of my other bands is uh, this guy named Bert Hoover. He he's the one that runs Mock. Um, and he and I early on talked about putting this record out. Um, but for the most part, my, my other bands, we kind of started exchanging demos like remotely uh, for new music for them. Um, one of the other bands we we did in that style pretty much throughout the summer. 
and then uh, recorded December those songs, you know, that we had we had done all remotely. Um, I got married. That's another oh, thing. Congratulations! I did. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, I I really wish you know it could have been a, a more grandiose uh, celebration, but there was you know some family circumstances that we we wanted to make sure at least like our grandparents got to see us. Um, That's very nice. Yeah, because uh, we don't know how long this is going to go on. Yeah, and uh, so. Uh, that's like what else what else happened you know for a year of like not much happening it's crazy how much still happened yeah Um, at least behind the scenes what was that like so it sounds like you did some work with the other projects that you're involved with hoover and number yeah no (laughs) i like the names of both of those bands and i was also digging into their catalogs as well what was that like kind of collaborating remote were you doing like remote collaboration and writing songs and working and recording on stuff for that yeah so uh hoover three we bert you generally is writing a lot on like like how i do like i'm in my home studio right now um you know we independently at least he you know writes for that project primarily um and what he did probably starting like june or july after like the couple months that none of us had seen each other um he'd written a bunch of like songs and demos and then he kind of sent them to us and then he got together with the drummer um pretty much every week in in our practice space uh and they would just do you know basic tracking of demos um just vocals guitar drums and then pretty much like a day or two after that they would always just send me stuff and then i'd put it on and then we'd pass it to the other guys and it kind of worked that way throughout most of the year with number jeff is kind of all over the place and uh he was working like in paris and all that and uh i'm i'm not sure he actually was going back and forth because of last year's events but you know he kind of started doing other things he he had a like printing business like screen printing and so he was doing a lot of uh posters and stuff during the protests and uh, to you know help raise money and but the collaborative process for the most part it, it it felt pretty natural and good timing the the studio that i built out in my house came at like a really great time because a housemate had moved out right before the, all of this not for any like uh bad blood reasons he just like had always wanted to live in a loft downtown of his yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I was lucky that I moved out of my practice space. I, you know, I just didn't want it to be a storage space that I never used. And this was pre-pandemic stuff. I just was planning on being on the road with a bunch of different bands. Um, I had even a tour that I was going to be like a hard gun guitarist that never happened. And uh, um so yeah, I, I just didn't want it to be a glorified storage space. So luckily I was able to move everything into my house. Yeah, that's really cool. And just a, another question about your experiences playing in these two different projects, because it seems like you did a lot of touring with these two bands and became really involved with them over the last few years in yeah. the time between your last solo record and the solo record you you just put out. Yeah. Uh, how did... Did those experiences, uh, how did they help you uh, with your songwriting or as developing as a musician? Any kind of experiences through that that you felt like you took to writing and recording this record? I feel like 
up until that point, I kind of always put myself in the. I write during the. This is at least when I was in college. You know, I write during the school year. I record during like winter break or something when I'm back in Los Angeles, and then I、uh, go back to school, shop it around, whatever label wants to put it out, and then I would always, in the meantime, plan a, like a summer tour, and that was kind of my cycle for a long time. And when I finally graduated and moved back to LA, I kind of got asked by you know two close friends that I knew from high school that had lived in LA throughout my college experience and had continued being in bands and making music.、Um, so it was really nice to be able to step back for a second and join these other bands, which, for the record, are very different from my own. Although I feel like the more that I've been in both of those bands, stylistically, some certain elements or certain ways of songwriting or even performing have you know leaked into my own music, and so I feel like it really just allowed me to take my time more, pay more attention to like, oh, what is it that all these people like about the songs in these other bands that I'm playing in?、Yeah. Is it stylistically, you know, like songwriting、uh, style structure? So it really let me take a a, a step back and like less of a pressure on my shoulder to be like always performing with my own band. You know, I got that that performance itch taken care of by playing with these other bands. Nice. So it sounds like it helped you understand what you, your craft a little more. Yeah, definitely. It 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 allows it, it let me be a like a, a guitarist again. You know, instead of like having to you know shuffle like between singing and playing guitar. It, It let me, you know, in my、uh, in Hoover Three, I play bass, and、uh, I'd always loved playing bass, but I never, like, you know, had too much experience in bands or anything. So it let me focus on my bass playing, and that led for me being better or writing better bass parts for my own band as well. Very cool. And I read the great piece that you did for Talkhouse, and everyone out there listening, I highly encourage everyone to read this、uh, great piece that you wrote about your background as a second-generation、uh, Chinese Iranian American.、Uh, you really delved into those generational differences between you and your grandparents, and kind of what they view as achieving the American dream. Versus the path that you set out for yourself as a musician, and you you go into this in the record a bit, and far as these competing worldviews and understanding how they shape your identity. And I was just curious how you attempt to kind of reconcile these competing worldviews through the songs on the record in trying to understand your own identity. I feel like a lot of it came. In contrasting, like I'm, I'm kind of in the camp of writing music first for, before the lyrics. And、um, when all these songs started coming together, being like, "Oh, this, these all could maybe be together. It could be one product." Is when I kind of started writing more of the lyrics. And what kind of ended up happening was a lot of the you know the A side seems a little more laid back. Like you're kind of like getting yourself into、um, kind of this headspace of where I eventually went, and then the B side is kind of like the apex and like the release. And so when I was writing the lyrics, you know, I I didn't necessarily think of it as you know this order.、Um, 
but I tried to o- I tried to open myself up a little more lyrically um, before I was kind of listening to a bunch of artists that like used a lot of vague references yeah. to you know things that are are so abstracted so it might be about their life but at the end of the day you're just like it's a good song with all these like cryptic lyrics um so really all i had to reference was my family and where i was in my life at that point and when i was when i was finishing up college you know it's there was this this immediate pressure to be like what are you doing now um and pretty much early on i knew that i wasn't going to utilize anything that i had necessarily went to school for um and so it was always this balance of talking to my grandparents about you know oh yeah i'm doing this i'm doing that um but i very quickly established myself as like being an independent uh person you know my parents aren't supporting me i mean they are supporting me like yeah. you know in life but monetarily i i worked really hard so i can make my life and like my passions you know possible um so if that means working a couple jobs and and stuff uh and so a lot of the lyrics came from that as well you know enduring you know shitty restaurant jobs you know just things here and there uh it just kind of is a reflection of like these are the choices i've had to make so here are the consequences that i'm dealing with um emotionally i don't know yeah and the other thing that i thought was interesting because i feel like it's a very relatable feeling that you mentioned in the talk house piece and something you can also hear on the record is kind of second guessing your choices sometimes and maybe feeling a little bit of guilt for making a certain decision or plotting a certain course or something like that. And I was wondering if writing these songs and setting out to make this record, getting that out of you, did that help you at all kind of evolve from that or grow from from that feeling? I I kind of have this conversation a lot with my buddy Spencer who's kind of featured all over the record just vocally and he 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 sat in when I was like showing him demos and stuff but the more I've let this record sit and you know I've gone on my life listening to other musicians talk about their songwriting process and it became more and more apparent that like imposter syndrome and and relatable yeah. things of like self-doubt is not just limited to those that are like going through like quarterly life changes you know it's kind of a constant state of mind and um the more i think about it not just creatively but just in in kind of all aspects of life there are these waves of like i feel really great about my craft or what i've produced here or you know i'll i'll sit on it for a while and i'm like oh i really I don't know if anyone's going to enjoy this or like, am I wasting my time? So it, it comes and goes. I more and more, the people that reach out to me as I've released stuff for this record, uh, it's been really nice and rewarding to hear people compliment or say that they really enjoy this work that I've done. And it's, it makes it feel like all the work that I put into it was worth it at least. And there's also that sentiment of like, once you put it out in the world, it's no longer yours. So it, it definitely helped me move on with certain aspects of my life. I, I've been way better about 
um, listening to others, um, learning from other people's point of view, trying to like encapsulate other people's lives and, and what they're going through and what I'm going through. Um, I, I feel like it just made me a more empathetic person. Yeah. And this is another interesting thing that I've noticed talking to artists that have put out records in late 2020 or early 2021 is so many of them wrote and recorded the album, you know, two years ago, sometimes (laughs) over a year and a half ago. So it's not really that closely in the rear view mirror. And you do mention and go into more detail on the record about this personal evolution that you you went through. So I'm curious, in listening to the songs now, since it seems like it's kind of a bit in the rearview mirror for you, more than just like six months or, or a year, what comes to mind when you hear the songs and you reflect back on that part of your life? I feel like there is a lot of emotional maturity that I feel like I can see in hindsight um, more just like what I was going through, you know, with my own relationships with, with friends, my now wife, uh, my family. It's, it's one of those things that I feel like every time I look back on a record, it was like, that was this point in my life. Yeah. Um, And that's not uncommon too. It's, it's just, it's kind of nice to finally have that part of my life out there and it's like it feels like it's finally come to a close uh but yeah i i sorry i I, you you can stop me if i'm rambling oh no keep uh, going uh but (laughs) i i find myself more and more like reflecting on certain songs that i you know had written at a specific emotional moment or i was feeling a certain way um, or it was a certain conversation that I had had with someone and it, it's things feel more stable. Like I had worked on those things since then and I can see that, you know, where I had started and now where I am. So listening back has been rewarding in that way to see like how much progress internally and, and externally, you know, where I am and, and how my house is and what is a home. And that's kind of like another concept I had a I little touched on. Because I was moving around, you know, I yeah. left left my hometown of Los Angeles, not very far, but, you know, I, Northern California, and I came back, and uh, my my wife and I, had, at the time, were, you know, living at my parents' house, and then we moved into this house that I'm still in now, um, and we worked really hard to make this our home, and for a long time, it didn't feel that way, you know, I... I'd stupidly chosen to to live with my bandmates at the time. That was like my first, you know, it was, I was like, it's going to be great. I'm going to have my partner and then all my bandmates and it'll be great. But, you know, unfortunately we were just all on, on um, many different emotional uh, and lifetime maturity that like, we just wanted a nice home. Whereas they weren't necessarily there in their life yet. They hadn't gone through those life experiences. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. And you, you describe how you underwent a big personal evolution before writing this record and while writing this record. But in comparing it to your first solo record, Imitate, Intimidate, there's definitely a big 
sonic evolution as well. And I'm wondering, what, what do you attribute that to? Since you underwent this personal evolution, you also did go under uh, undergo this musical evolution as well. I feel like the farther away I get out from those first releases, including my, my first like EP that I had put out, uh, it's just, you know, I was so used or I was under the understand the um, I was under the understand. I don't know. I'm phrasing this poorly. <laughs> um, it's all good. I feel like when you're growing up, you you think of things to do in a certain order, or a certain way. And for me at that time, I didn't really know much about home recording yeah. or so. It was always like. I write these songs and then I pay someone to record them at a studio. And I feel like at least from last year, there's been a big renaissance in like people realizing more and more. And especially you hear all these musics and in the top charts, you know, I, the first song I chose for that playlist um, is my friend Melina. And, yeah. you know, one of the first people that I, I ever knew to pull off this like home, do it yourself, Thing and get so much notoriety just from like these bedroom recordings and to me that was crazy and you you also had like the uprising of like people like Mac DeMarco and, and people like that that it was kind of like the the, the DIY uh, way of approaching music so I feel like looking back on those records every time I had gone to a studio in the back of my mind, I was like, I need to get in and out as quickly as possible. And that doesn't necessarily foster a create yeah. creative space, you know, instead of having time to explore like, oh, you know what? I don't like how that sounds. Versus with this one, because I was playing with other bands and having, having the time to step back, I felt like, you know what? Let's finally get the sound that I'm hearing in my head. Like, how does that happen? And, you know, I started reading a bunch of, like, how, you know, they recorded huge guitars for Led Zeppelin or something, you yeah. know? And the thing that, the best purchase and thing that kind of helped shape the sound of this record was I went on Craigslist and I found, like, a tiny little Fender Vibrachamp. And I was like, okay, this sounds great. I can get it loud, but it's not, like, blowing the, the roof off my house or the... the the studio and I can actually be in the same room recording it and it was just you know I kept working at it I would spend hours sometimes multiple sessions or days by myself just knowing that I didn't have to wait on an engineer or annoy someone that I'm trying something a million times so that kind of allowed me to explore that w was it challenging then since you self-recorded this and it was kind of an on and off recording process between touring and doing other things. Was it challenging for you to decide, okay, this is a finished product now, or did you want to keep going back to it? There was a long period of time where I felt like I kept needing to write. Um, and by the time I had like, 12 songs or some, 12 or 13 songs there was even a bunch of songs that I had played live that never even made it past the demo stage uh, I had my, my friend Lewis Cohen who actually helped me like trim down the fat of the recordings you know and once we kind of had enough songs that felt right it felt like this is a record 
is kind of when I allowed myself to be like, all right, let's make the next step happen. Um, and he really helped facilitate that. He got um, our friend Costa and then another friend Jeff, and we just basically took all the demos and and went to uh, the studio in in the, in like the valley. I think at the time it was owned by the keyboard player for the Foo Fighters or something. <laughs> nice. And our friend Jeff was like the studio manager, so he had his own little studio C. But because the space was so big and they charged like crazy amount of money to be in there at the time, we could just like go into the other room and grab like, oh, this is the 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 one Taylor Hawkins snare or whatever. <laughs> Not that this was like any sort of celebrity moment. It was just like, oh, there's all this nice gear around. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's just borrow it for a second. So yeah. we were a little indulgent when like we just took the demos, stripped it of the bass and drums, and my buddy Costa now uh was a friend of my friend uh my buddy lewis who i grew up with and uh they had gone to school together in, in new york for jazz and so when they had finished school they had both moved out here to be session people and so it was insane to have these songs that i worked on for like over a year and then this guy suddenly was like you know i'd play him the song once or twice when we were in the in the studio and i, I wish i had the papers in front of me but he just took notes real quick after listening to them. he's like let's go let's go track it um, so that was like a really interesting, different experience for me, at least, you know, starting, I, I spent so much time doing these demos and then now I start basically started from the ground up. Yeah. Speaking of starting from the ground up, I read that you started with Borderline, which is the first track. It's, it's an awesome song. One of the first songs you wrote for the record and you said that it influenced the direction and mindset for the rest of the record. And I'm just curious what you meant specifically by that. What about when you wrote that song clicked inside your head that made you think this is the direction that I want the rest of the album to go I feel go like pretty, pretty immediately. I mean, I guess I could break it down to a couple different things. One, I, I was really always interested in what really drives a song and when i finally came to the realization that i should put a little more attention to the bass and drums was kind of where that whole song started you know i yeah. was playing this like basic motoric groove and started playing a bass line um over it i was like okay cool and then so the next part was like i've always loved playing guitar and spent so much time getting it to sound right live that I was never happy with how it sounded when I recorded them. So that was the next thing. I was like, let's make these guitars sound big and have them front and center. Like, I want this to be a guitar record. Uh, and then, you know, vocally, I just, I pushed myself to have myself be front front and center, especially during mixing um, with my, my friend Wyatt. Uh, one of the biggest things of, of, of feedback from most people was, you know, your lyrics are always so quiet or your vocals are always so quiet. So from that point on, you know, I, I had I gave myself space on that song to to sing, you know, yeah. um, for the first time uh, instead of like having to just play guitar and sing. I was like, you know what, let me take a step back. Um, let me give my vocals a place to have their, you know, so that kind of was the ability to, you know, move for uh, that point on with those kind of things in mind yeah that's a i find that that's sometimes a common thing with a lot of musicians that i've spoken to that they it takes them time to to realize that the vocals should be louder and more centered on songs were you nervous about doing that at first or were you 
welcoming oh, of it. Yeah, oh totally. I I still to this day don't I, I in the past when I've recorded records, of course, like I said, you know, I've gone into a studio. Um there was one single that I released before this record years ago. Um that was the first time that I had done vocals again but in my house. Um and when I brought them back to the mix engineer for that, after he had him replace the ones I did in the studio, he was like, wow, these are like, these are so much better. <laughs> you sound relaxed. Yeah. You sound more like you. Um, so, yeah, I I definitely have taken time to come more comfortable with my range and, and vocal abilities. It's something that I feel like I might have lost because I haven't really been singing at all. And even if I do scratch vocals for you know demos and stuff i'm not really trying but yeah. that's another big thing that i've always like i feel like i've not mastered but i've gotten comfortable at like tracking other instruments so now my biggest thing has been like how do i make the vocal sound even better and that kind of like led me into a bunch of pop territory <laughs> yeah it's cool the vocals on the record sound great so kudos great job and i want to circle back to borderline again real quick because i really like yeah this description that you gave of the song and after i've listened to the song a bunch of times and then i stumbled upon what you described you were going for with the track and, and it really clicked totally you know you were listening to a lot of television's marquee moon one of my all-time favorite records and a credence live record and you talked about how you wanted to kind of ride the same line that both of those bands had, mixing the rhythmic drive and evolving guitar work. But then what I also thought was cool that you incorporated lyrics that sort of ride a similar line. And I thought it was really cool that you're able to kind of pair the instrumentation and the lyrics in that way. When did you decide to kind of merge those two parallel uh, sonic and lyrical concepts into that song? It's, it's one of those things where, you know, there's like th three different bass variations, but for the most part, the drums are kind of doing the same thing. There's one little shift that it does, you know, the instrumental thing. But I, the thing I recognize from both those bands is like, they're often doing the same thing for a long time. And uh, this, there's a reason I chose that Deer Hunter song on that playlist. It's like one of those songs that is doing something really similar throughout. But what is it that keeps it interesting? And what is it that keeps me engaged um, with that song, despite it being something similar or repeating a bunch? And I realized there's reins that like vocals or other auxiliary instruments need to take on that you know, the support's already there from the rhythm section. So it's up to the other, you know, the vocals or you know, the guitars to, to keep the listener engaged. Um, so that's kind of where I decided, you know, I was like, oh, that's what's making this interesting to me. Um, and another thing was, I, I guess there was a combination of the bands I was in too at the time. Uh, Hoover 3 is a little more crowdy and a lot of those people came from like pretty classic rock heavy um, backgrounds and with number or with Jeff even those are when I got more interested in like post-punk bands and and stuff like that so it, it kind of was also a product of what music I was surrounded by at the time 
Yeah, totally. And I just liked how you explained how the lyrical themes of that song specifically kind of mirrored what you were trying to go with with the song and the the rhythmic inspiration and stuff like that. So it's very cool. I like how you're able to mix like a lot of different influences and genres into this record. And just going through it, I feel like Fracture and Quartered are really frantic and angular, like kind of almost Steve Albini-like. <laughs> the singles sound more psychedelic and shoegaze-influenced. Bound is like a spacey ballad almost. Yeah. And songs like Light Habits are literally light and airy. So, you know, I really liked how you were able to touch on so many different genres and influences on the record but you still manage to keep it cohesive sounding despite all this different exploration and things like that i'm just curious how do you think you were able to achieve that type of cohesion while still maintaining free reign to touch on different sonic ideas and genres because some of the songs you could definitely hear more post-punk more shoegaze and things like that but they still kind of have this unifying sound and and theme i feel like the very nature of just how and when i wrote these songs i think was just inducive of 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 what i was listening to at at the time and you know maybe i'll start i started out with borderline long back when i probably have like three or four demos of versions of that song uh, but it's it's one of those things that as I was writing, it was like, oh, I'm really into this style. Like, I'm going to yeah. make the rest of the record this way. And then by the end of it, you know, you have a bunch of different disparate often. You're like, what is unifying this? Um, and the thing I've come to realize is you can kind of pull this off in a way that if you just stay like true and authentic to yeah. yourself and your own tastes. Um, and not only that, it really helps re-recording all of them in like a similar tighter span with with everyone in mind at that point so uh it it was one of those things where i was like i don't know i don't see how these are all going together um and that's kind of why you know it it may be curious to see how people have enjoyed the record since the release because the singles are very different from the rest of the record uh, and it was by choice, you know, I I hate to play the game a little bit, but I chose the songs that I felt like would draw people in yeah. the best. And then that's kind of how I've organized records, too, in the past. It's like you want to draw people in, then you get an opportunity to get a little weird for a second. And then the B-side should always, you know, reinvigorate. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it's one of those things that it really helps re-recording everything with a similar amount of gear yeah. the way you're recording it um it helps bring cohesion just by that yeah totally because it, it does sound very cohesive despite the fact that it does go off in different directions at times it still sounds like one record that's very well put together do you have a favorite song on the record or one that you really feels like captures your message Ooh, that's hard yeah i i feel like the the for the longest time i really loved the last song guesswork which you know kudos to anyone that gets through the record and gets finally to the last song i've kind of done that before in the past where 
sometimes I've always chosen the last song to be my favorite. Um, the first EP I put out, uh, the last song was also like the namesake for the record. So it was one of those things that I felt like was the rewarding point of like, hey, you got here. Like, here's my favorite song of the record. Um, but as I've kind of sat with it more, you know, Guesswork might be my favorite because it encapsulated the final stage. It's probably closest to me in terms of what my musical interests were. And I feel like it also was a combination of everything that I had learned writing and recording all the previous demos and songs. Um, so that might have be the case why that one might be my favorite. Another one, um, just because I've been sitting on it uh the longest time is that song title sequence which was supposed to be just like a it was originally just untitled and i just i don't know why i felt like i was in a movie so i kind of just changed it to that um not very creative i feel like for naming a song but it just it was how i felt um so that one also might be my favorite as well nice both great great songs and the themes of the record what you go into as far as trying to find your identity and trying to understand yourself better. What do you hope people take away from the record in that respect? Because I feel like it's an experience that, as I mentioned earlier, is definitely relatable. A lot of people go through that. So what do you, do you hope uh, people take anything in particular away from listening to this record? Um, I guess in reference to what I said earlier, you know, when you put something out, it's kind of no longer yours. So I don't really have a specific message that I'd like people to take away from it. I feel like if anything, I hope people are able to learn that people, you know, go through the similar sort of anxieties and and life changes and you're not alone. And that's kind of the realization I've, I've come to even post this record, you know, I, I've just, while sitting on it, I have come to the realization that like all my favorite musicians are the same way, you know? Uh, so I hope that anyone, you know, listening to the record gets their own sort of like comfort in that this is not an abnormal, uh, experience that it's very common. And, you know, I've had other friends that I haven't spoken to in years who, you know, after I released that talk house piece, similar people, creative people that had gone through like this, like, you know, first generation uh, immigrant family, you know, they, they really connected with the fact that like, Oh my gosh, I'm going through the same thing. Um, and they, you know, they started to reevaluate where they were in their life, and that was really touching because I, I didn't, I didn't think that my words or my music would do, would have that sort of effect on anyone. Um, so it was, it was just, you know, I hope people get a, a source of comfort from it. Yeah, it's super powerful sometimes to just know that someone can sympathize and empathize with what you're going through, and music does that for a lot of people because it's something that someone can listen to and say i can definitely relate and that brings comfort so that's that's very cool that uh your peers and people were able to reach out to you and uh say that that's cool yeah and i you know for 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 uh making myself not sound too serious you know it's it's also (laughs) funny at the same time to know that these you know silly little songs that i wrote in my bedroom or at my little practice space that 
could actually take on an additional meaning as like, you know, you look at the whole project as a whole or, you know, from song to song and even like the sonic transfer, uh, transformation that you were talking about, like how like sonically the music can help drive the lyrics in a certain way that feels also like is driving, you know, it's a very symbiotic relationship that I find rewarding and like a surprise because you're, you don't, you don't ever know what's going to happen. You're like, these are just silly little songs that were spawned from me just playing on my bass or guitar. And since you haven't played these songs live yet, right? Not really. I, there is a, I have a live band that's kind of made up of people that are on the record and also just friends that I've met since doing this. And, we played a couple shows and primarily I, I was at least in the mind space at the time that I was like, I really fucking hate uh, all the old stuff. Like I'm yeah. not that person anymore. But now the more that we haven't been able to play live, I've, I've revisited things and I was like, you know what? This would be cool with the new band. You know, they're way I better at, than, than who I had had before and would do it justice now. And so any song from this record that you're most excited to share in the live setting with people since live shows haven't been happening and hopefully they'll return middle of this year yeah i uh a fun song that we always got like a really interesting um response at the practice space was either when we were playing like fracture or a title sequence i actually had a a a buddy um not the first time we had were rehearsing the song uh at the practice space uh I had, I just needed to get some water after. I was like, it's the first time, you know, I'm singing this song. So it was like a bit of a stretch. And I opened the door, immediately saw a couple people standing by the the practice space door. And they're like, oh shit, hey, what's up, Kaz? <laughs> um, they were like, we just heard this song. And we're like, that was really cool. And so I, that's one of them. And another one that we haven't ever really been quite able to nail, uh, Guesswork was also a song. Um there's a couple that have kind of lived in my live set for a while, so I'm not going to mention those. But it's it's just kind of cool to see where these songs, especially in the times we were in, have sat in my mind for so long. And I feel like, at least arrangement-wise, could be a little more interesting. I feel like that's always the danger of sitting on things for a long time. It's like, oh, I wish I did it this way. or um, <laughs> But yeah, it should be exciting to see how these songs are played out live and how they're received. All right, everyone. So now we're coming to that point in the program where we're going to play some songs from Kaz's new record. Careless by contrast, we're going to hear the first two tracks, Borderline and Dozer. We're going to follow that up with Fracture and Title Sequence.
Awesome, awesome, awesome. Everyone, we just heard four songs from my guest, Kaz Mirbluk's brand new album, Careless by Contrast. We heard Borderline, Dozer, Fracture, and Title Sequence. Everyone, you gotta get this album on vinyl. It's out now via the Los Angeles label Mock Records. Get it via Kaz's Bandcamp, which is Kaz Mirbluk, K-A-Z-M-I-R-B-L-O-U-K.bandcamp.com. Also available on all streaming platforms. All right, so now we'll do this record part which i'm stoked about great great selections that you made and looking forward to talking to you about them starting off with our red door by jsom off of turn into this is probably one of my favorite songs from that record really yeah (laughs) super dreamy and hazy like kind of reminds me of like sleepwalking almost and i think that's cool because the the music kind of matches the lyrics which almost kind of sound like it's a dream or something she's like talking about a red door yeah she steps into all around great song and really captures a distinct mood i also really connect because i i the chinese side of me i feel like red doors are often a symbol of of like good luck but oh, it's wow. very it's it's very interesting how like ominous and kind of melancholy the song is. Um, that's that's kind of what drew me to it originally. I, I remember that rec- uh, that demo uh, coming out, and uh, I don't know if you know the story about it, but she like had posted it kind of like over uh, over like a, a holiday break, just like just put it on the internet, and so it's it's really crazy to see how far of a reach that that took her. Um, and I love that song. It was always the one that, that stood out the most to me. So it's interesting to hear that that was one of your favorites as well. Oh, yeah, totally. And it's, have you collaborated with her at all? She's a friend. Uh... No, I, you know, I, I had met them because uh, their old drummer, uh, Zach, had gone to college uh, with me. And uh, we had met in the, the jazz uh, department. Um, and I was playing in like uh, a big band, and he was in a different in different group. And I remember seeing him at a concert, and the, my drummer at the time and I were like, "Who the hell is this drummer, and why is he so good?" And you know, <laughs> he and I like basically stalked each other over the internet, and I realized he had this band back in the Bay Area. And when he um, ultimately left the school to go to a different school, I was like, "You know what? Like, I'm planning this tour. Like, I want to take your band because like your music's super awesome." And that's that's when I first met. No, but I haven't ever collaborated. Um, I would love that. Um, they're an amazing recorder, engineer, producer as well. So maybe someday um, I could get the pleasure of working with them. But I've you know always sent them demos here and there, just like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" Um, cool. That's awesome. That's very very cool. Yeah. Next, Incinerate by Sonic Youth off of Rather Ripped. It's just great, a good song. <laughs> yeah, great late era Sonic Youth song. Was this pre-Steve uh, Albini like, d- 
denouncing them or was this right as he was doing that oh yeah i remember when he did that (laughs) i think it's right around that time i think it's right (laughs) around that time i completely forgot about that you're right that he he got got it's funny because it's like 15 years after like he did all they he did all this shit they did all the shit that he had a problem with but (laughs) i uh i just love the song i i had a housemate um who one of my bandmates at the time he who also lived with us for the, probably the longest he was the only bandmate that survived the the first initial like this is not a good living situation um but he was really into sonic youth and it's it's not an easy band to get into um but sonically for lack of a better word is what drew me <laughs> to this band the most um and there's songs like dozer that when i was recording them I was like, how did they get that like almost Sonic Youth clean sound? Um, and it's it's oh it's it's very chimey, it's very dirty, and I've come to realize it's probably just you know their jazz masters do like high gain things rolled off. But I I was like chasing that sound for a long time. So um, this is just you know a really great Sonic Youth song. I think it's really accessible. Um, it may not be very creative. I'm not ever the one to be like, I got to pick this obscure song that like I kind of like, but I'm going to like just choose because it shows that I'm more unique or really delved in. But I do really appreciate a lot of Sonic Youth. Um, this is just a very notable, nice song. Yeah, and this is a really great record. And it's always impressive to me with them in particular because it's, like not many bands can be a band for at that point almost 30 years yeah. and put out a, a pretty solid record like that you know it's a very good record not their best obviously yeah. not groundbreaking either <laughs> but very very good and solid and I, I enjoy listening to it it's like this especially is, this song this is who this is like this is sonic youth at like just doing sonic youth's best you know it's it's in my opinion uh it's cool how a lot of these songs it's very apparent who wrote them it's very it's it's when you get to that point in like the band's career that they're like collaborating a lot less and it's very much like oh this is a thurston song this is a kim song um so it's it's cool when a band gets to that point where you you see a little more of the individual personalities shine through versus like them as a, as a whole yeah absolutely you know the lee songs and there's a lot of kim gordon songs on this record too she put out so. a new record recently that's also pretty good um, oh yeah it's awesome yeah. it's excellent um shout really- out to all <laughs> members of sonic youth <laughs> um but yeah no i would love i would love to meet any of them at some point in my life i think it'd be very interesting i i would hope that the conversation would go better than like uh that classic nardwar interview <laughs> oh yeah that w- did not go well and they broke the record that <laughs> they're like well we didn't do that them. and then you know <laughs> <laughs> and they did oh, though it's, it's, they did jeez oh, yeah i met lee ronaldo once he's a cool guy yeah nice I, guy that's that's kind of top of my list honestly Fontaine's DC, their song Television Screens off of their 2019 album, Dog Girl. I like this song 
particularly on this record. And I think I could see why you picked it because it's kind of a change of pace in their own record where I feel like they're kind of stylistically experimenting a little bit. It's not like the kind of propulsive post-punk that you think of when you think of Fontaine's DC. This song is much smoother and subdued sounding, almost kind of sentimental too. It is, I feel like, another easy entry point into an otherwise really great band that yeah. I feel like if someone put that record on, they might immediately be jar. It's it's very jarring yeah. how like well recorded the music is and then it feels like, oh, we ran out of time. Let's just do these vocals like <laughs> once. Dry, no vocals straight into the computer or tape machine. That's kind of how, that was my first impression and I remember being yeah. at South by Southwest uh, the first year they were there um, and I kept hearing all this buzz and I was like, who the hell is this band? And it wasn't until me uh, touring with uh, one of my other bands in Europe that I was in, um, I think the Shackwell Arms and I, uh, they had like all these like coasters in the bar was for this band. I was like, all right, I have to check out this band now. Um, and I, I just remember thinking of like, wow, how simple yet effective and meaningful um this band is it's just like very um surgical almost like he he's very cautious and uh mindful with his choice of words and his delivery and the band is just it's like behind him it's that classic like but yeah television screen it's like one of those things it's i believe it's on the b side and it 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 just immediately is like this refresher it's like oh i get this little reprieve um and it, it's 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 like I feel like the most poppy song that they're song uh, on the whole yeah. record, uh, while still maintaining that kind of ominous like dark um, subject matter that he kind of touches on. Next, Desire Lines by Deer Hunter off of Halcyon Digest. Classic album. Very influential, I feel like, to a lot of artists. And it's probably my favorite Deer Hunter record. I I think I would totally agree. It's it's one of the most important records that I I probably have heard and I remember listening to that record for the first time and it's kind of it's a similar thing where the record starts out really sparse it's really lush when you know all the instrument comes in but when you get to that song it's you realize it's another band member's song it's pretty immediate because I don't know it's it's less of the like Bradford Cox like weirdo thing it's more of like a song song but yeah. it's also one of the most deceptively sad songs. Um, it's another thing that I feel like I always connected to a lot once someone pointed out to me. Um, it's just, you know, about like this fleeting youth and like this like desire to, to do things. And it, it just, it's, and it's backed by like a very lush and beautiful thing. And it, I feel like the, the thing I took away from this song was the ending section, like kind of referenced earlier was, 
you have this like dreamscape of the guitars that you know they're the the bass and, and drums are doing the same thing and it, it it takes you into this very contemplative state um where you can kind of do with a lot of like ambient music too it's it's just it lets your mind wander and it lets you kind of reflect on what's happened um up until that point so i always love that song for that reason sick song and sick record <laughs> Wrapping things up with A Lot's Gonna Change by Wise Blood off of Titanic Rising. Another really excellent song off a really excellent record. My first exposure to her was, um, do you know, are you familiar with that band Drug Dealer? Yes. Um, I, you know, he, she's featured on a bunch of their songs. And I remember my first exposure to listening to Wise Blood, I was like, I'm not really into this, but I really love like her voice and when she's featured on like these a little more up-tempo songs um and as i got more and more appreciative like of that styling of like a bit it's a bit more reminiscent of like 70s pop and like a little slower um i just i came to realize that she in her own right is like amazing not only as a songwriter but every record is quintessentially her but you know it depended on like what um producer or songwriter was working with her at the time and i think that's such a versatile and like impressive thing about her as like her ability to change um just like what um what kind of stylings or influences and the lyrics too it's just like when it gets to that chorus it's it's so triumphant yeah killer Um, totally and i i I hope to carry that sentiment uh, going forward. You know, a lot is going to change and we're going to see where it takes us. Hell yeah. Absolutely. When I had the All right, we're coming to the end of this episode. Hey, Kaz, it was so awesome chatting with you about your new record, Careless by Contrast. Everyone, it's out now via Mock Records. And we're going to play one more song from the album, Guesswork. Any plans for the next few months now that the the record is out what what's going on with you uh we're talking about maybe doing one of those uh pre-recorded type of performance style it'd be really nice to be able to get together with the band once things calm down a little more and and while live shows may not be able to happen i i hope that we can kind of like give some people a little taste of what a live show could be um so yeah that's kind of what i'm looking forward to and you know keeping an eye on when we'd be able to get back into venues and touring and all that. Hell yeah. Can't wait for that. And tell us a little bit about guesswork. I know you you mentioned a little bit about it earlier, but tell us a little bit about guesswork before we send everyone off. Musically, I, 
I kind of, I always love that kind of like stadium rock type vibe, yeah. and that's uh, and the grandiose like guitar work of like Smashing Pumpkins. So I kind of wanted to combine the two. It's like, how do I get that large, like really like dirty sound while like continuing to drive? And the lyrics kind of came to me very late. Like that was, I probably had written some like placeholders, and then、uh, I was struggling for days and days, and then went on a walk with my dog one day, and it just came to me, and it felt <laughs> nice. really nice that it was like just that was it. And then I went home, recorded it, and then I sent it off to、uh, my friend Wyatt to mix, and I was like, that's it. So、uh, I don't know. It's just it's a good way to you know I was. Constantly questioning myself at that point, I was like, I don't know if I can finish this record. I was like, I don't even know if this is worth it.、Um, and so that's kind of you know sentiment of the song and the the triumphant guitar solo at the end was just that was what I wanted to get to ultimately. Yeah, it's totally righteous. A great way to end your new record and a great way to end this episode of Look at My Records. Everyone, you're about to hear guesswork. Thanks so much for being here with me. It was really awesome chatting with you. Thank you, Tom. It was very nice meeting you. I、uh, hope to talk to you in the future and、uh, maybe cross paths once、uh, travel is allowed. Hell yeah, absolutely! And before we play it, everyone, you can get this record on vinyl via kazmirbluk.bandcamp.com. That's K-A-Z. M I R B L O U K. It's being released by the Great Mock Records.
the same Feels like everything's to blame 